I've never heard a person walk out of the stadium and say, wow, I wish that game would have included more waiting. He is an endless source of baseball and hockey knowledge. Jose Berrios, a lanzador de Puerto Rico en el Clásico Mundial de Béisbol. Sean Morosi, every week with Wyman and Bob. You're being serious with me right now? Uh, we've been looking forward to this conversation. I feel like at least two or three times today, Dave, we've said, well, we'll ask John. John's going to join us at five. We'll ask him then. He has all the answers. Got to try to remember what all those questions were. John Morosi is with us <laughs> as he is each and every week on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Hello, John. You guys are too kind. I, I appreciate it very much. If If only my kids regarded the knowledge that I can share with the same amount of enthusiasm that you both do. It's, it's as if they get in the car after school. Hey, everybody, let's listen to what dad has to say to us. It's, it's not quite the same amount of excitement as, as to what, uh, as to how I'm greeted by both, by both of you, by Mike as well. So I, my thanks to you guys for this is a part of my week that I look forward to every single time. Well, that's the thing about kids. They will humble you, right? You're just dad. Wow. You're not the you're not giving out information. You're not the guy that giving out information that other people don't know about. You're just dad. Right. So, that's well, the good I'll, news. I'll tell you this one quick story because we're 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 close just among us friends here and and it's it's quick. Every now and then the 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 subject of where I went to college will come up. Typically whenever I make a mistake and then people <laughs> will say and you went to Harvard. That, yeah. that always comes but only when you make a mistake. Of course. And so I have a habit, and I mean this sincerely, whenever somebody says, oh, like, you went to Harvard, I always just say, but I was admitted by mistake. Like, it really didn't, it mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to happen. They just sent the wrong letter to my house in Essexville, Michigan, <laughs> and they didn't think that Essexville was a real place until I showed up. It's Essexville, Michigan. No way that someone's actually going to show up from there. So I did. So anyways, I say this all the time and mean it sincerely. And so, uh, kids being kids, my nine-year-old, Elena, who hears everything and remembers everything, one time someone said, oh, John, you know, y- you went to Harvard. And then she literally interrupted and said, wait a minute, no, 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 he was let in by mistake. <laughs> 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 Which is just, the, it's like the uh, best. It's like, they're listening, trust me. The kids are listening. One of my favorite things. <laughs> and she will say, no, yeah, Dad, Dad, come on, Dad, we know you were let in by mistake. I said, I know that, but maybe not everybody else knows that yet. Let's let them figure that out on their own after they talk to me for five minutes. Then nice, they'll figure that out. Nice of her to share that with everybody. That's very exactly. sweet. That's uh, great. Hey, one of the things I know we want to get your your perspective on, and we'll certainly get to what the Mariners have done uh, in the way of trades, but th- this Oakland A story is fascinating, John, in that, you know, their their owner, Jeff Fisher, wants to get them out of town, go to Vegas. It looked like he's he's going to have this beautiful stadium that was going to be very small, by the way. Uh, but the, the mayor of, of, of Vegas is coming out and basically saying, yeah, they should really try to work it out in Oakland. That's their dream. They should really – I mean, saying all the opposite things you hear when any town is going to be a potential destination for a professional franchise, usually they are selling their town. We've got this. We've got access to the freeways. We've got restaurants and hotels. It's a perfect spot. They're trying to lure the team in. And it feels like Vegas is doing the opposite with the comments from the mayor. you got a teacher's union suing out there uh, because the city is going to provide funding for this this building that they want to build there. And then we had this little thing. Um, this I want to play this cut for you. It was from Sacktown Sports, which I guess is our sister station. And this is something that they said they had heard a, a wild theory about the A's. i got to get your take on it, but t- take a listen to this. 
Bay Area source told me that there is something being floated around. So after that 2025 season for the A's, nobody knows what's going to happen. Are you ready for this, Chris? That person told me that there is an idea being floated around that between 2025 and 2028, the A's would not exist as a franchise. I'm sorry. So like basically, completely... so between 2025 and 2028, Major League Baseball would run with 29 teams. And when 2028 comes around, they would basically do an expansion draft. That idea is also being floated. It's almost around. disbanding the A's as a franchise for three altogether. For three years. Those players would be able to sign with other teams. I don't know. The minor league, if, if you're worth anything in the minor league, somebody comes and finds you. If not... Thank you for your service. And then wow. we refresh everything in 2028 in Vegas. Sounds completely absurd to me, John. You tell me. Is there is there something to that? Have you heard anything close to that? I would be stunned if that were to happen for, for two major reasons, among many others, but two major reasons that stand out to me. Number one, the players union would never stand for the reduction of 26 high-paying major league jobs, first and foremost. I don't see any scenario in which the union would say, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll voluntarily give up 26 jobs. That's number one. Number two, unlike the NHL where they were able to have 31 teams until, of course, the Kraken arrived as 32, based on the nature of the schedule, they were able to make that work. I don't see how you would have a, a major league season in which you have, by definition, one team – having a rotating buy virtually on a on a series by series basis because there's just no team to play. So I that that to me would not make sense. It just I and certainly hey, never say never uh in, in the world of sports, but I would be very very surprised, very surprised if if something like that were to happen. I I I think that the the statement and the back and forth about this, clearly to your point, it's not the way that people expected this to go, or at least those that were involved in the planning of it expected everything to go once the announcement was made. They're moving to Las Vegas. Since then, there are obviously now these legal challenges that exist. And then you're right. The the, the comments from the mayor of Las Vegas were were curious, to say the very least. And <laughs> And even then, uh, obviously, these comments were made this week. The Super Bowl is there. A lot of excitement in, in town for sports. And then there was a statement issued by Mayor Goodman saying, quote, my points included that it is my belief that in a perfect in their perfect world, their perfect world, the ownership of the A's would like to have a new ballpark on the water in Oakland and that the ownership and government there should listen to their great fans and try to make that dream come true. Should that fail, Las Vegas has shown that it is a spectacular market for Major League Sports franchises, end quote. At no point in time did, did that statement say, I misspoke, it's a done deal, go A's. That was not what was said at all. So the the uncertainty existing around this, to me, is concerning. It is surprising. And it leaves me bereft of a really clear idea of where everything goes from here, except to say 
the clock is really ticking here. And and there may be an interim solution, such as playing at a AAA park, playing in Sacramento or Salt Lake, which is what's been mentioned in different reports. And Salt Lake, by the way, whether it's the NHL or Major League Baseball, Salt Lake has become very aggressive in in courting franchises. They, they want to have and, – and hockey, in a lot of ways, makes a bit more sense in terms of the structure already than – than Major League Baseball would simply because they want to have a a new multi-purpose arena venue that will be associated with the Winter Olympic Games in 2034. So that would be both the main indoor Olympic venue, likely for hockey at, at the Olympics in 34, when we know that we believe that NHL players are going to be competing in those Olympics in 34. So you're already going to be building new facilities. The Jazz is due to get a new building. The Jazz, they could host an NHL team at the Delta Center, which, based on the current situation with the Coyotes, at least has to be acknowledged as one potential scenario out there. So I, I think that Salt Lake is is gaining momentum. They're hungry for a franchise. And certainly their governmental entities seem much more bullish and eager to lure a franchise than certainly the most recent statements from Mayor Goodman. So we thought this was a done deal. Months ago, with respect to Las Vegas and the A's, clearly, based on these comments, it's not. And and we now have to wait and see. But I think the, the most important thing in the here and now is the A's have to find a place to play after 25. And there's a lot of uncertainty as to where that's going to be. And, and it is possible. What I would say is if the Vegas situation does not materialize, you do wonder if the temporary fit in Salt Lake could become more of a long-term fit if Vegas does not get uh, the ballpark with some shovels in the ground here pretty soon. Is, is, sorry, I just wanted to clarify because the story I read uh, from ESPN, they were talking about Fisher's plan to finish the park in time for the 2028 season. Uh, it says after the team's lease runs out following the 2024 season. Right, so, right, and that is true. So, So basically – that's correct. So I, I I misspoke by one year. Well, so they the, the guy in that soundbite said the same thing. So I thought maybe right. the ESPN article was wrong. Exactly. So they the, they have one year left on on the lease at the Coliseum. Okay. So really, really and truly, and this is and in this the the, the professional sports universe and moving franchises in this universe, when you have one year left on your lease, that's like. That's like having your apartment lease up next week. Like you need, you need to have a decision yesterday as to where you're going to be playing. Literally, opening your season a year from now, and and that's where, again, when you consider the amount of uh, of fans that the A's are typically getting, it's not as though MLB would be giving up a ton of gate by the A's playing in in Sacramento or Salt Lake on an interim basis. But the TV equation is very different when you leave one of the largest markets in our country in the Bay Area. So there are there are a lot of moving pieces. There's the entire piece about where we are with regional sports TV. All of these things are colliding, and and this is this has become a real kettle pot of of a lot of a lot of different uh, elements that are colliding at the same time. Where MLB and Central Baseball they really have to wrap this thing up. I would say in the next couple months at least as to where the A's are going to play for 25 and and the only point to make there is if they feel like the infrastructure at the Coliseum is just simply a no-go after the season is over you might be better off just going with 
the infrastructure of a good AAA park because the back of the house stuff at the Coliseum, it's been a long time, admittedly, since I've been there. But if you were to speak to any of the Mariner people, they'd probably tell you, if you spoke with a Mariner's player who's been up and down AAA in the major leagues, he'd probably tell you that the clubhouse, batting cages, all the back of the house stuff that we never see as fans is probably better at a great number of AAA parks than it is at the Coliseum right now. So I would imagine the players would welcome, honestly, uh, yeah. a, a better environment to play in in 2025. So you're right, guys. This is happening right now in real time. What's the the criteria to to kick an owner out? I mean, can that is that <laughs> can that be done in, in Major League Baseball? Uh, it's a it's a great question. It's happened uh, obviously as we know in other sports, but it's been for. Often, and this is just I'm speaking in general general terms, often gross misconduct away from the operation of the franchise effectively. And so I I don't I don't foresee that happening here. But the the general point that I'll make about the economics of, of baseball and where we're at, and we're still pretty early in this current CBA cycle, is that one of the larger battles to come in in the next round of bargaining is not just between the the owners and the players but the large market owners and the small market owners mm. and there are a certain group of larger market owners who when you look at it they say wait a minute we we've been subsidizing the smaller market teams for a long time and and I don't really like giving you revenue sharing any longer like, this is money out of my revenue that I'm giving to you and so the league, if you're looking at it from a purely financial standpoint, competitive considerations aside, you want as many teams as possible to be self-sustaining and not receiving revenue sharing any longer. And so I do think uh, in the company of billionaires, which I don't travel in those circles, but so I'm told, uh, <laughs> billionaires would prefer to keep their billions and their millions for themselves and not uh, and not give them to others necessarily in this in this case in revenue sharing. So I, I do think that there may be some antipathy about how things have played out in Oakland. Is that enough to, to force out an owner? I, I don't have any evidence to suggest that's the case, but the situation clearly is reaching a point where I'm quite sure as the owners are meeting this week, they're probably casting an eye towards the A's table and saying, we probably should have settled this before by now. Like this, this has gone on for far too long. And, and I, I think that anybody around baseball with a, with a credible take on it realizes it's gone on for far too long. And, and this is now extra innings of a game that should have ended a long time ago. So, John, let's talk about the move, the most recent move of the Seattle Mariners. They pick up a reliever in Gregory Santos in exchange for Prelander Baroa, Zach Deloche, and then the 69th pick in this year's draft. Uh, I sent you a text after this to get your, your take on it, but obviously the listeners didn't weren't privy to your explanation. It feels, as I said, first blush, not watching a bunch of Gregory Santos because the White Sox were a disaster. Just looking at scouting reports, both both him and Baroa almost seems similar in the way they're scouted. In that they're both high nineties, can hit triple digits. They got the arm side movement. They got you know they're just a little under a year apart in age. So it felt like you kind of traded a version of of him for him. Talking about Baroa for Santos, and then you threw into lotion the pick. But what what did you think of the move? A couple of things. I mean, number one, they got someone who I believe can be a closer, and and they've got someone in, who has closer upside. Uh, I thought he was a breakout performer on a team that 
we weren't really watching very carefully last year. I, I saw the White Sox, obviously, just by being here in the Midwest and, and being aware of, the, of, of their bullpen and, and one of their more emerging talents. I know I was actually at a game uh, in Chicago middle part of the year, and, and, and someone who watches the White Sox closely told me, this guy is really good, mm. and, and you got to watch out for his name. So he's, he's been on my radar for a while as, as someone that can be a breakout performer. The, the point, I think the biggest thing we have to say uh, as people who follow the Mariners is when when Seattle's front office identifies a breakout pitching candidate, we should listen because they've earned an amount of credibility here in in being able to identify players that are going to break out. And when you have a bullpen that you rely on this much, and guess what? Uh, spoiler alert, they're going to do it again this year because this is a team. I was actually talking to, to another executive uh, from a National League team today who said, Seattle's got the best rotation depth of any team in the game. That's what he said to me, period, point blank. They've got the best. And and when you look at it that way, and if you're leveraging yourself that much to say, listen, we're going to probably have to win a lot of 3-2 games. We didn't get Otani. We're probably not going to get Bellinger. You go down the list. Um, they, they gave up Kelnick in a trade. They had to save some money. So you're not going to have a lineup of 35 home run hitting guys. This is not like the 99-98 Mariners reincarnate. So you're going to have to win a lot of 3-2 games. And you win 3-2 games by protecting leads. And it makes sense just given the the variability of relievers that you don't trust the same group of guys in back-to-back years. So you, you swap out Topa and you bring in Santos. I, I agree. They maybe. They maybe gave up too much. I mean, they had, they paid a high price. I think the White Sox, if you look at it just talent for talent, future value, the White Sox probably came out ahead on that. But Santos was the kind of pitcher the Mariners needed. And when, when you have made a decision that you are going to try to win and that this player is crucial to your efforts to win that way, you do it. And so I think Mariner fans, I know there's a certain amount of frustration that they didn't spend a ton on free agents, and I get it. But this is how they had to build the team to make it a more competitive version of the team that came within a game or two of finishing ahead of the club that eventually won the World Series last year. This team is not that far away. And and this, around the margins, is what you do, and it's especially realistic, Bob, when you've got this amount of pitching depth in the minor leagues. They've done a really good job developing talent, and your reward for developing talent well is that when you have a player that comes along that you like and you have the ability to overpay, you're, you can do that. This wasn't a massive overpay. This was not a, a really out-of-balance trade, but the Mariners gave up a lot to get someone who I believe will help them tremendously during the course of the 2024 season and beyond. Hey, JP, we are talking about some of the unsigned free agents, and I think was it a vast majority of them were with Boris? They were Boris clients. The four and, big ones remaining, yeah. Yeah, sure. and how was I was kind of comparing it to, I had Marvin Demoff, which I was one of his, uh, like, D-list guys, JP. No, no, I mean, you're not. He had he had Marino and Alway and everything, but everybody... I've heard of those guys. I've yeah, those. <laughs> everybody in the NFL loved Marvin. They they really did. I had a GM actually tell me, if you don't if you don't like Marvin Demoff, then, then you're a jerk. Um, is that kind of how <laughs> Boris is? I mean, is he that well-respected, or is he kind of seen as a shark? What... I guess it depends on who you ask, but as far as uh, Major League Baseball, what's uh, how do they perceive him? Uh, that's a great question. I, I would say that one of the uh, a must read at some point would be uh, would be the long form feature that was written about Scott Boris in the New Yorker 
I think it was about 15 years ago. It was mm-hmm. an amazing piece. And I'll just say this. Very few baseball agents are profiled in the New Yorker. Okay. You have to achieve a certain <laughs> renown to, yeah. to do that, as Scott does. So I, I think that he is a tough negotiator. He advocates fiercely for his clients. As a result, there are probably plenty of executives that that uh, don't necessarily love having to negotiate with him. In my dealings, though, I've always said this. His care about the game is true. And if you get if you get Scott on the right day and he calls you up, you might talk for an hour about different ideas and different players, uh, and he will always fiercely advocate for his guys, but he also cares about the game. And he will he will show you he cares about the game by the by the points that he raises about why do we do things this way, why can't we do things that way. It's all thoughtful. So so the so tough negotiator, you don't get to be as successful as him by by just throwing bouquets to everybody and negotiating. I mean, he's he's a tough negotiator. And I think that one one thing, and this is where it's an interesting dichotomy, one thing that people will often speculate about on the club side is when it's a situation like this where Scott has Bellinger, Matt Chapman, J.D. Martinez, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, all unsigned, that that he knows where the chess pieces are and that, and that in a certain way, theoretically it might behoove him to not have a certain player sign with a certain place right away, because then that shifts the board for everybody else. So there's often people will say that. And is it true? I suppose only Scott knows, Mm -hmm. but that is, that is something that, that is an element of, of the way that the market works right now. And a team like the Cubs, who could be helped by Bellinger or Chapman or any of the pitchers or Martinez for that matter, there's a staring contest going on there. I I do believe the Cubs will get one of those five guys. Who and for what amount, I don't know. But just from having watched Scott over the two decades I've covered baseball, it feels like by opening day, one of his guys is going to be a Cub. Why? I can just sense it that's just that's what I, where <laughs> where my intuition tells me to, to go on this one so it's but it is I, I don't necessarily see the mariners getting one of them uh but it's been a really long off season of waiting and as much as we always talk about scott's beginning of the off season press conference state of the union where he makes all of his puns and no in november i would love to hear the the recap from his perspective as to what happened and why because i think that would be fascinating. He is John Morosi. He's with us each and every week. Always a fun conversation with him. And uh, we look forward to the next conversation, John. Have a great week, and we'll talk again next week. All the best, gentlemen. Thank you for, for the kind words. And, uh, again, I, I look forward to this all the time. And, by the way, how about the great announcement about NHL players in the Olympics we're going to get a chance at some point in time to think about how many different Kraken players are going to be in the Olympics. That's my favorite thing. Best on best <laughs> hockey. We'll have it a year from now in 2025 as well. Can't wait for that. Love it. Thanks, John. Thanks, All the best, guys. Thank you. There you go. John Morosi with us each and every week. Coming up, one potential offensive coordinator option is off the board. So what happens now for the Seahawks? We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.
Our thanks to John Morosi, who joined us in the previous segment. In case you're just tuning in, that conversation will be on the podcast page at seattlesports.com. Just click the podcast tab. Click on our beautiful new picture up there. Did you see that, Dave? I wouldn't call any picture that I'm in beautiful. Oh, but, uh... stunningly beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was breathtaking, really. At least it's not backwards. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. Uh, because I was wondering, we had a couple people text in saying that Salk was taking shots this morning. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. About what? Something about, like... Uh, something about I, I look young for being 60-something years old or something like that. And I was like, he's just jealous that I am look younger than him and decidedly better looking, of course. But Yeah, uh, and smarter. Uh, yeah, just really have it all over him. But, uh, and better, you know, yeah. producer and board op, everything. <laughs> yeah. They, just dominate. It's a, it's a domination. It's really coming. Those words come out of it's jealousy. It's not even fair. Yeah, I feel bad for him. But uh, apparently there it was, a, it was uh, prompted by the new pictures, I guess, that are on the... On the, uh, the oh, webpage there. For a second there, I thought you said nude pictures. None like, that I'm Whoa. aware of, and I think nobody wins with that. Nobody wins with that, Dave. So, uh, yeah, so you can uh, find that conversation, click on, the, click on the podcast tab, and then click on our brand new picture, and the conversation will be right there waiting for you after the show. And as Dave likes to tell you, push, subscribe. Subscribe. Push, subscribe. <laughs> Matt's favorite moment outside of what's bugging us. That's his next favorite moment, right? I like complaining. What can I say? <laughs> Somebody took a shot at you on the text, by the way. Did I, they really? Yeah, I'd have to have Lefko dig through it because it was something about normally Lefko would be the guy they'd pick on, but now you you won the trophy or something with complaining about the house plant. Did you brag about your uh, bowling score or anything like that? No, that I idea? would never do that. I'm no okay. longer in the fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Brady Bones taking a shot. <laughs> taking a big shot there. I like it. Uh, so it looks like, or it sounds like anyway, Ryan Grubb is is uh, officially going to be the offensive coordinator at Alabama because he's said as much at this point. So the his candidacy for the offensive coordinator job here with the Seahawks seems to be coming to an end. That's over. And now we've heard the Chip Kelly rumors that the Seahawks uh, are interviewing him at some point for that spot. That. We talked about this earlier, again, if you, you didn't hear it when we talked earlier in the show, and that, that bit of news was received with, uh, I'd say, a less than an enthusiastic response. Is that fair? Chip Kelly? Yeah. yeah. I think the some of the criticisms that I've heard, one of them was that, you know, he's kind of just ditching UCLA. He's, you know, doing all kinds of interviews with, uh, with NFL teams and that it kind of, you know, kind of hurts the recruiting part of it because I, I, I don't think, know. I think, right? Huh? I would think if you were being yeah. recruited by UCLA and you're seeing news items about him interviewing for this job or that job, I'd be like, well, why am I going to commit there? Yeah, exactly. And especially if this is a guy that's recruited you, oh, you fit in my system, and then he's gone. So, And he is an offensive coach. So, um, But, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I was looking up some of his numbers, and I don't know. I, I Did he do something on TV where he clowned somebody or ran away from a reporter or something. There's just, I just, I think there's something about him that I shouldn't like. And I don't know why that is. I can't remember exactly yeah, what it just is. Just a strong nagging feeling. <laughs> I, I should not like this guy. Yeah. And there are people that don't like him and I don't know if it's personal, his personality, maybe he's done a couple of interviews, whatever, but I was looking at, at his numbers. Now when he was the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia, which was 2013 through 15, he had pretty good numbers. I mean, he was uh, twice he was top five as far as scoring goes. Um, and then, 
you know, you look at um, you look at like the the run game. He's always had a pretty strong run game. One year he was number four. One year he was number one with Philadelphia in 2013. So number nine in the pass, number two in yards. So you know, I think if who cares? I mean, if he can get along with guys and you know, able to be like what John wants out of this group, them to be teachers, then hey, if he can teach him his offense, fine. Uh, but yeah, there's just a few detractors. And I'm not not ex- exactly sure what the beef is, but some of the, that was just one instance I heard is like, hey, he kind of gave up on UCLA. And, you know, it's like, hey, I'm interviewing for the NFL and sorry if I recruited you and uh, yeah. I'm not here. I, I'd, I'd need a little clarity. I know he was obviously at Oregon, so you is a Husky fan and you are obligated to hate him. There you go. Um, that's where some of it comes from. I don't know if that's totally it. Uh, the 206 Dave says Chip Kelly, question mark. Was Satan not available? <laughs> Why? <laughs> they did. That's that's where it ends. I don't know. I, it's um. I, if if you're anti Chip Kelly, text in and tell us why. 866-979-3776, Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Out outside of his association with the Oregon Ducks, what 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 is it about him that that sends you running the other way? Because I would say the strong majority of those who responded the first time we brought this up early in the show were like, "No, hell no!" And then I started reading some of the comments on Bob Condota's tweet, people commenting, and it was just one after another of, "No, no, please God, no, no." So yeah, I think it's a lot of Husky fans. Uh, from from the the Oregon days is that is that all it is or maybe it is maybe it's like a member in Step Brothers I don't know what it is about you it's just your face it's just your face you, just... you got to change your face <laughs> maybe uh, that's it three six zero says the beef is he has background with the Oregon Ducks and anybody with background with the Oregon Ducks cannot be considered sane or in their right mind <laughs> all right is it is it as simple as that is it uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, there, there never used to be any kind of a rivalry between Washington and Oregon. And I don't know if it's when Phil Knight started infusing money into all the uniforms and, and things like that. But back when I played, they had that, like, Kelly Green and bright yellow. Yeah. They had the pissed off Donald Duck in the middle of the field. Wasn't very intimidating. Those weren't great units. No. And then all of a sudden, I think, you know, they every every game they have a new uh, different uniform, maybe that's what rubbed Huskies the wrong way. But yeah, for some, it just kind of built up in the last like what fifteen years, yeah. where all of a sudden it's like just hate Oregon, almost worse than Washington State. Oh, that's that's not even close. You, you uh, know, I feel like uh, for Husky fans, they they hate Oregon much more than I feel like they they look at the Cougs like their little brother. Like, oh, that's cute. Look at you. I went to a Husky game one time. It was a bowl game that was at. Lumen field and uh, I was coaching at Redmond so I had green and yellow on Mm. and I had like three or four Husky fans come up and sort of you know like oh or what are you a duck give you the business yeah he was giving me the business and I gave it back (laughs) of course but you know something to the like yeah, hey, num nuts! I coach high school football. Okay? <laughs> yeah, this is, this so, is the Redmond Mustangs. Yeah, I don't. It, it's weird, and I don't know if maybe he's part of that. Uh, as far as people in the Northwest that they just despise the Oregon Ducks, and maybe he was kind of cocky about it. I don't know, but if he's a good football coach, and I don't, it was kind of a surprise for for me to to hear his name that I didn't know he was in the coaching pool. But yeah, um, 
Yeah. We'll How about see. this? Three six zero. First off, go dogs. Secondly, while at one point he was innovative, I don't think he still is. He thinks he's smarter than he is. Like when he got rid of all of his best players on the Eagles. I'm not positive that'll bring that dynamic change to the Hawks. Uh, that they need all the skill on offense. Also, Oregon was way way worse than WSU. So that's a Husky saying they hate Oregon much more than the yeah. Cougs. So yeah, I don't. I'm not seeing anything specific. So maybe it is the Oregon thing. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But we'll find out. We'll see if uh, what we hear about an interview and if he's going to be a legit candidate after that. We'll find out together. Meanwhile, it was an adventurous day. We're going to learn about everything that we learned. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. This is a house of learned doctors. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What did we learn today? No one's a bigger idiot than me. <laughs> well, we're certainly certainly getting a lot of people weighing in with their dislike of Chip Kelly, but I'm not really I'm still not seeing the specific reason. Was there something that happened other than him being Oregon's head coach? Because it's people making fun of his height, his stature. They actually they have it laid out perfectly here. Oh. I, don't, I don't know if you've read some of this. It's it's very straightforward. Uh, Chip is an angry, short, fat man. <laughs> he has little man syndrome and can't be trusted. All right. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, these got to be Husky fans. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, Did you want to read the biblical proportion part? <laughs> nah, there's some of that I don't think we can read. No. Um, what, what did we learn today, Lefko? Well, now I got stuck reading all of these, but yeah, <laughs> it's fascinating. Yeah, uh, no, we learned that uh, Dave Wyman, you have some tricky house plants. <laughs> you know what? I just found out that I've been watering a rubber plant <laughs> of course you are. for about three years. You're going, it looks great. It's really just Shannon, soaking up this water. Shannon has all these these plants, and she's like, why are you watering that? And I'm like, well, I water all the plants. Well, that one's made of rubber. How did we just gloss over the fact that on, Dave man. Wyman said he had been watering a fake house plant for three years? We moved yeah. by that pretty quickly. Because I think we all felt like, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah. you're the big you're it. the big gardener, right? You're the we saw you deadheading at the the. I'm gonna, send you, I'm gonna send you a picture of this uh, this particular rubber plant. It's very lifelike. Was the pot just full of water? <laughs> yeah, the, the soil was yeah, just soaking it up, leaking right? down the bottom. <laughs> then there's another one. She has another one that looks like it's fake and it's real. And she's like, and you weren't watering that one. Yeah, I wasn't watering that one. It was dying That's the first. fake one. I thought you were in charge of all the plants. What do you mean she's got? Oh, these this plants? is indoor. Oh, you're, yeah, you're in charge of the outdoors. Patience for the indoor plants. Oh. I don't care if they're plants. I got you. As, you know, as what happened. I mean, I I was I was watering a, a plant that didn't need water. <laughs> a plant. Yeah, made she of takes rubber. care of that. I'm I'm outside. I'm a garbage you. guy. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't care for house plants that much. But uh, one thing I do is I cut my flowers and I bring them in, and then they, t- they lots of times they have bugs in them, so we have bugs all over the house. Oh. But uh, but no, as far as uh, that goes, I'm I'm it's very lifelike. <laughs> Clearly, I think I I think I could fool you guys on a uh, on a quiz. It had you fooled for years. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say years. You, you did said you say for years. three years? I said a couple months, didn't I? No, no you, you said, said three, three years. years. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad you guys are keeping such <laughs> close track of it, especially Lefko back there. We just reheard there. it. Yeah. 
by the way, constantly. Four two five said the hatred is because Chip Kelly is the president of the Chip Kelly fan club. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I th- I do think that he does come off that way a little bit, but he's and we heard that about Vrabel. You know that he's the smartest guy in the yeah in the room syndrome. What else did we learn, Levko? Uh, we learned that, you know, as good and as fun as our talk show is, we're going to get kicked off the air for a new talk show starring Dave's daughter and Matt Nelson. My daughter's really the only one in the family that roots for Denver. Just because oh, she's, she's a Broncos fan. She's a rebel. So did she change her, her allegiance when Russell went there? Was she excited or she's like, oh, well, now I... She was excited about it, but I think she, she was kind of bummed and thought it was the wrong move. If you want my daughter's expert opinion, <laughs> can we get her on the phone? Let's let's interview her. Break break down her her fandom. Yeah, I, I'm curious what her and Matt Nelson think. That's that's where I would Just go. Just a couple of warriors of the gridiron. Yeah. <laughs> who do you think who who do you think pays closer attention to football, Matt Nelson or your daughter? Uh, Kendall. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> I'm probably around it more. But actually paying attention to the game, yeah, she wins it. You're definitely around it more than oh, yeah. probably most people. I'm around it a shocking amount. It's truly. your job to be around it. It, it <laughs> Kind of. You need to vaguely be aware of what's going on. In the days that he produces, he's like, you know, he, does, he doesn't know what the hell people are talking about, but he knows what the topics are and is able to p- put them together. <laughs> no, it's like I said yesterday, when I produce, I'm writing a book report for a book I never read. That's a, that's a I get good through analogy. It. <laughs> yeah. You got through it. <laughs> I love the JSN-like pause when Dave was asked who would know more. Like, eh, maybe my daughter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> the answer was clear, and he picked correctly. Poor JSN. Do you think he regrets that? Well, he said he was kidding. Yeah. He, he goes, uh, uh, are we taping? I'm, I'm just playing around. <laughs> yeah, he said I'm just playing, but I, I thought he was making up for his actual <laughs> natural reaction. I, I hope he was just kidding, because you know he's just going to get worked for that if People took him seriously. Yeah, we don't want him getting getting ripped into for no reason. He's just messing around. What else did we learn, Lefko? Uh, well, we almost all of us missed the start of a, a segment at three thirty. Welcome back to Wyman and Bob. I'm the uh, responsible host that got back to uh, his, his station on time, much to the chagrin of Matt Nelson. I was brushing my was teeth, just, Dave. He was just in, yeah, we, we'd never get in the way of that. <laughs> There's priorities sure. here. Everybody had to go in the sink to wash their hands because of you. Because <laughs> I was hogging the sink. Yeah. It'd been great if, if Matt were the one to bring us back in. Matt gets Hi. so worried. He comes well, in here. He's like, welcome back. Why, 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 and Bob? <laughs> where, where are they? Sports things, uh, sports words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a big game this weekend. <laughs> so football, huh? All right. <laughs> I would like to point out, Dave was so proud of himself for being the professional one. I had to go out to the kitchen and scream that we had 20 seconds until we're back on air to get him back. So technically, he did beat you back, but by seconds. I like that Matt gets so worried because I think it is. It's the fear of having to talk sports. You think so? <laughs> yeah. He's stuck there. Left to his own devices to talk sports yeah. and entertain the masses. Listenership would plummet. Off-air think- <laughs> alarms would would blare it would be like four hours of what's bugging me <laughs> just matt complains and for four thing. hours oh, i would wait. just start like reading the wikipedia page for the nfl and see how far <laughs> that could get me Lefko would be here to help you 
No, I was he out there too. Either. Oh, you, you were. You didn't need me for the start of the segment. I was completely abandoned. Oh, the boy. only professional. The only professional you. That's what we count on. If I'm the only professional, we're doomed. We're in trouble. That's a bad place to be. Hmm. Uh, did we learn anything else? Well, speaking of us not being professional, uh, Alex Smith apparently uh, canceled on us, you know, a no-show. But we learned he had a good reason. These these guys, they got a lot going on, and interviewing with us is not nearly as important as what they've got going through the rest of their day. So, Well, and the, you may say that in kind of a, a wiseacre type of way, Bob, but it's true. It is true. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, that's not sarcasm. It's it's uh, you know we you book people sometimes you know like yeah I can't wait to talk to this guy. Meanwhile they've got ten things on their calendar and they're, they they forget all the time. I just got a mean text from him. He said I'd rather break my leg again in grotesque fashion than talk to Wyman and Bob. Wow. Oh jeez. No, I haven't. It's it's Friday. Oh, you're kidding. That was a joke. Oh jeez. Say <laughs> so that's wow. why did he get so bitter? We were <laughs> pumping him up. We were pumping him up. Come on, man. <laughs> I liked it. You used Wiseacre. <laughs> I threw that one in on purpose. Oh, Wiseacre. That's that's old school. <laughs> you heard that from your grandfather, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't, you be, don't you crack wise with me. Crack wise. <laughs> uh, oh, I was going to say, no, at first I thought, Dave, that you thought it was real. But now I realize you knew I was joking. Oh, I was totally shocked, Mike. Were you really? No, no idea. No. Yeah, yeah. That was... <laughs> Matt and I had a discussion about that, and he convinced me that you were, in fact, faking it. I was on Dave's side the whole time. It was clear he was not I thought I got you. I was very proud of that. hilarious joke. Yeah. You thought you got him? I thought I got him. He really did. I mean, Dave doesn't listen to me, so, you know, maybe. <laughs> Until 60 seconds ago, when he replayed the clip, he really thought he pulled one over on Dave. I was looking yeah. at the eyes. You had a good video fake out. What? Yeah. Good acting. I thought it was overacted enough where you would get it, but... He really thought Alex Smith would send such a text, huh? Yeah. That's weird, Dave. You're gullible. <laughs> I've always thought he just has a mean look in his eye. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Uh, all yeah, right. Yeah. There you go. Good stuff. All right, everybody. That does it for us. want to thank our guest today, John Morosi, for joining us on the program. Always a great conversation with him. So if you missed any of it, you can head to the podcast page at seattlesports.com. Click the podcast tab and click on our picture, and you'll find that conversation and everything else you missed waiting for you right there each and every night or you could just click subscribe and it'll be there for you each and every night without this whole process you do it once and you're done it's beautiful have a wonderful night everybody we're back tomorrow with wyman and bob this is seattle sports on 710